Welcome to the Halostasis Podcast. Drawing inspiration from the concept of allostasis, meaning remaining stable by being variable, coined by Sterling and R. This podcast celebrates the power of adaptability and responsiveness in achieving personal and professional stability and growth. Inspirational individuals, disruptive ideas, and the power of finding purpose in life. In today's episode, our guest is Karen Thompson. Karen grew up in South Africa and was a teen model who struggled with addiction and eating disorders from a very young age. Later on, she used her knowledge from the recovery process to build a one-of-a-kind inpatient rehab program with Professor Team Noakes, the Harmony Eating Lifestyle Program, and that helped her with her last addiction, sugar. Realizing the power of that idea, Karen started an online program called the Sugar-Free Revolution and was then invited to write a book of how to break free from this problem called Sugar-Free Eight Weeks to Freedom from Sugar and Carb Addiction. In recent years, Karen has been living in the US and was the executive director of CrossFit Health, where she was at the forefront of revolutionizing healthcare by harnessing the power of CrossFit's methodology, affiliates, and community to address the root causes of chronic disease. Now Karen is developing her own new project called Revitafast, which is a one-of-a-kind experience to educate people about whole things held with lots of energy, celebration, and disruptive ideas in one amazing festival. Hi, Karen. Nice to meet you. Nice to see you again. Hi, Philippe. It's so good to be here. Congrats on this incredible venture, and I feel honored to be on um, this podcast with you. You actually deserve it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's an honor to, to get you here and to tell a bit about your story and your endeavors and your ideas and ideals. Uh, it's not easy to understand and, and, and meet people that uh, really have got through difficult moments and in the other side of it, they found something not better, but almost a purpose. And yeah. that's, that's the hard part, you know? Mo Absolutely. Majority of us, we have problems and we, when we come out of it, we are stronger in some way or sense. But not all of us can inspire people to do different or do better. And that's why, in particular, I love your story. And that's the reason why I invited you. That's very kind. Thank you for the acknowledgement. I really do appreciate it. Perfect. So let's, have, let's dive into it. Um, okay. And let's tell people who are you and uh, what is the mission you are on this beautiful planet we are Oh, I mean, that's a big one. Okay, so my name is, um, <laughs> my name is Karen Thompson. I am originally from Cape Town, South Africa. I had a long journey there with um, many things that we can dig into, whichever aspects you want to. Um, but through this path and landing up in the United States, I have really been able to connect with my passion and purpose and really get quite clear on it recently. Um, and we can dig into the story of how I got there, but my passion and my purpose right now, and it does shift yeah. and it does change, but something that I feel truly connected to is to help people fall in love with themselves and the experience of being alive. What I want to do more than anything is help people fall in love with themselves, who they are, their health, their well-being, mental health, every component that makes us human and the experience of being alive, the difficult times, the good times, the beautiful times, the bad times, and how can we learn and grow, become resilient humans that strive to be better in everything we do. 
That's fantastic. And thank you for that. Um, actually, I believe that that's really, if because I know a bit about your background, I, yeah. I believe that's really connected to where you come from and how you grew up. Yeah. Because if I'm not mistaken, you have had some um, people to admire and look up to. You have had uh, your dose of, of, of events that were not going your way yeah. and adversity. And you have forged... Um, a personality uh, uh, ethos that is not easy to find because in life most of us um, we are not tested to the, our limits or the majority of us sits in a comfort zone at least the majority of time so people that are able to defy themselves or, or put themselves out there are rare and they are even rarer when they don't choose to do that but life throws that uh, situations at them and they overcome it in such an inspiring way because right now you have told us about this beautiful new idea that you have and, and what's your purpose but bef before we get there you have done so um, so so many amazing things and you have you have kind of um, jumped around from so different areas so many different areas you know that is is, is mind-blowing just to think about how much have you done in, in such a small small amount of time in this earth. So tell us just a bit about the beginning of everything and how you kind of found yourself in it in the middle of chaos. Okay. Well, so I, um, I grew up in, as I mentioned, Cape Town, South Africa, and my grandfather was Professor Christian Barnard, and he did the world's first human heart transplant, right? So from a very young age, health um, and suffering was a big uh were big concepts in my life and understanding like how and what is health how do we define it how do we define it how do we embody it and how do we stop needless suffering so wow. many people suffer when they don't really need to you know yeah. and so this concept of suffering and health and getting better and everything has always been a core concept in my life and my grandfather had a saying, and it said, he said, I saved the lives of 150 people through heart transplantations. If I'd yeah. focused on preventative medicine earlier, I would have saved 150 million people. And so this is always at the core of driving me to do what I do. How do we focus on preventative medicine, which is lifestyle, in order to combat this insane epidemic of chronic disease that leads to one thing suffering suffering yeah. for the person who has the disease and for all of those around it and puts a great burden on society as well so getting back to my background so i he was my grandfather my mother was a world champion water skier at the age of 14 so i come from a family wow. i mean these people are like you know they've achieved overachievers overachievers and so i had a lot to live up to but um you know, and when I was young, I had these dreams of becoming a doctor and like like a neurosurgeon or something to do with the brain and changing thoughts and changing the way people think and feel and experience life. And so I had all these big dreams. And then I started modeling when I was very young. And at the age of 16, I really, really got into it. And that's when my life took a turn for the worse, for sure. You know, yeah. suddenly I shifted away from having this passion and this purpose to help other people to being consumed with my external appearance, being consumed with what people thought about the way that I looked, being consumed with this validation that only was based on my exterior 
appearance, you know? And the modeling industry took me through such a interesting journey. Um, you know, it was really awful at times. It was very glamorous and fun at sometimes. But what happened is I became an alcoholic and I suffered from eating disorders. So uh, at various points in my life, I was anorexic, bulimic, compulsive overeater. You know, I binged, I purged, I starved, all to try and manage these feelings that I had no idea what they were. And they were based in feelings of extreme low self-esteem and not being good enough, never being good enough, no matter who I was, no matter what I looked like, no matter what I did. I, at my core, and this is like this core message that was constantly playing around my head, I am not good enough. Who I am is not good enough. And so I attracted people, places, experiences to me that constantly reflected the way that I was thinking and feeling about myself. So you validated without understanding, you are yes. validating this uncertainty, this, this, this problematic, this disease the, yes. the way that you think is a disease is this dysfunction you know yes. because obviously if you're a model and if you're showing your exterior something is is, is right about the way you look and, and your appearance but yeah. it's it's hard to people understand when they they are not able to go through so many times they are not able to relate and understand and really understand what i mean it's it's have the perspective of the other yeah. per person suffering you know and what what i what I would like to ask you at this point, and, and, and sorry, this is completely off script, but I, I, I have to go deep on that, which is I find really interesting the conversation and the way you, you, you just uh, explained it to us. But at a certain point, you were saying, oh, I have so many big sho shoes to fill and I can draw some lines in with, with my life. Would you think or would you consider that maybe the 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 pressure that you received from home to kind of raise up to the challenge of, of feeling those big shoes kind of pushed you to a completely different path so you could be your own person and at the same time don't get into intertwined with, with their path. And so do you, do you think it was like that or you just think it was a something casual that happened in your life to go through a completely different path and and, and exterior validation just happened because of everything else or different different stuff happening in your life no i think there's definitely an element of that for sure you know um i grew up in a in south africa my family was incredibly famous you know and having a microscope on your family um, and at that point it wasn't necessarily all positive with regards to my grandfather it was incredibly hard and um what I think I internalized from a young age was that I saw that being seen gives validation and a sense of purpose. And I wanted to be seen my whole okay. life. All I've wanted to do is be seen. When I did, when I went into my addiction, my eating disorder, it was a huge cry for help saying, please see me. Yeah. I can only see myself if you see me. Please, please see me. And so that was it. And then, you know, I suffer from things like perfectionism. So yeah. externally, internally, I want to be perfect. I want to look perfect. Not so much anymore in those days. 
Um, which is so funny though, because I've always been such a wild child. Like I never really brush my hair. I hardly wear makeup. You know what I mean? It's just this like this it's just this black and white and it's just it doesn't make any sense but i was always (laughs) so desperate to be seen and that definitely does come from you have to be great in order to be seen and only when you're seen by others externally are you worth it and so that is a lesson i learned from growing up the way that i did and that's why i sought the modeling industry and i sought the modeling industry um you know, and it was super fun. I traveled the world. I mean, I was like in Milan and Paris and New York and London and Belgium and Amsterdam and like everywhere. And it was phenomenal. And I met the most beautiful people. But at my core, I never felt good enough. I felt like an imposter. I felt like one day somebody's going to be like, wow, she's actually not pretty enough. Yeah. She's actually not good enough. Like it's always that thing at its core. And then, you know, that led me to turn to alcohol other substances, my eating disorder, to have the confidence, to lose the weight, to feel good enough. Because when I drank, nothing else would matter. I would feel beautiful and I would feel confident and I would feel that I was worth it. And so I started looking for external substances to soothe this internal problem. And that is how I got stuck in the cycle of addiction until the age of 24. And at that point, you kind of had a breakthrough moment yeah so one so i had been partying a lot i was in in cape town at this point in time i was like in and out of the modeling industry because i hated it so much but it was also like you know i also just couldn't let go of it because i just needed this affirmation and this identity i was so attached to this identity and 24 and I was house in, sitting at a friend's house in the most beautiful part of Cape Town and um, I went on a big bender the night before and I remember waking up in the morning and walking to the bathroom and I was so thirsty, you know, like I was just dehydrated and thirsty. I felt like shit. Um, I think I'd been using and drinking for like three days solid and I remember drinking water straight from the tap and then as I stood up, I looked, I saw myself in the mirror and I was like, who is this person? And it was this like, this surreal moment where my life flashed before my eyes. And I was like, I don't recognize this person. I don't recognize these empty eyes staring back at me. What became of that little girl with the dreams and purpose that little girl who walked barefoot on the farm roads and played with fairies in her grandma's garden and who loved animals and people and who had these dreams of becoming a doctor of helping people of changing the world what happened to her and it was i promise you the saddest moment of my life because i looked at myself and it was this moment of it was like standing in a field of broken dreams broken dreams and lost opportunities and decimated relationships and at this point in my life my addiction had pretty much taken out all my friends nobody wanted to be around me I was a pain in the ass the only people who were still there for me was my mom and my dad and so um I looked and as I looked at myself I I was I was thinking to myself you've achieved nothing you are no one you're 24 years old like it's too late Um, And I was like, well, what are my options? 
My options today are either taking my own life or choosing wow. to live. And I contemplated taking my life so strongly in that moment because I felt that there was nothing and I felt that my life was wasted and I didn't have enough self-esteem or even a self-identity that was strong enough to believe that things were possible for me. But something happened and I think like, I was thinking about my mom and my gran and my dad and I was like, I can't do this to them. I cannot take my life. I cannot do this to them. And that is the moment that I decided to choose life. And I chose sobriety. I booked into an addiction treatment center and I was there in primary care, tertiary care, uh, primary care, secondary care, tertiary care for nine months. So if I read it right, love kind of saved you at the end. Love saved, well, something bigger than me saved me. And if we want to call that love, if we want to call that the universe, if you want to call that God, whatever you want to call that, there was something out there saying to me, there's passion, there's purpose, there's more for you. And you need to fucking fight for it. But you kind of felt that, yeah, that, that's that's also about the person you, who you are. So you, you didn't see yourself like that without any capacity, quality, whatever you want to call it. But deep down, when you you hit rock bottom, you kind of found yourself also the strength that defines you right now and kind of, you know, you had to be stripped away of everything that of expectations, validations that you were seeking to be found in the darkest place of all and kind of like the Phoenix <laughs> reborn. Absolutely. And you know, rehab was incredibly hard because I walked in there and I honestly had no idea who I was. None. I was, I, you know, I'd stopped probably growing emotionally and managing my emotions. They say the first time you start drinking or, or get into addiction, your emotional development is stunted. So it stays at that point when you first start using. Okay. So at the age of 24, I essentially had the emotional capacity of a 16 year old, right? So here was this teenager in this adult body and not knowing who she was or what life had to offer. And I was a shell of a person. But the beauty in that was that I could rebuild and create this person because there was that little girl with that strength and that beauty and that resilience and that feisty spirit, because I am feisty, that was there, that I connected with, reconnected with, and was able to heal, you know? And so, I haven't had a, a drink of alcohol since that day, and that was September um, 24th, wow. yeah, 2004. And so this year, it will be 19 years. Um, Congratulations. My life, thank you. And my life definitely changed beyond my wildest expectations in that moment. It did. And for everything that I've heard and, and read about you, you found also an idea there while you were going through your own addictions problems you found that it you needed to dig deeper and you found out that actually the first addiction that you had was sugar yeah it was so interesting this was still in the time period because this was like 19 years ago right when um no one really acknowledged in the treatment of eating disorder that sugar is an addictive substance or that junk food is chemically engineered to make us yeah. addicted and that it, do you know what I mean? It spikes the dopamine and there's a neurological response, right? Definitely. And so we want to have more. And so eating these foods is really not good for us, right? 
Um, and it was so interesting because my dietitian and treatment was like, I would have, I would still let go of all the other addictions, but I would then use sugar, Coca-Cola and chocolate and these crisps called knickknacks. It's not, it, anyway, it's like these super, it's like the closest I can imagine is like Cheetos. It's so processed. Okay. It's so, so full of dyes and chemicals. And then obviously Coca-Cola, which is just caffeine and sugar and everything. And I would literally, every day I would have a, co- a, a Coca-Cola like this chocolate and Cheetos. And I was seen as the greatest success because here I was able to like moderate my consumption of it. But the truth was that I was still using it to change the way that I felt and to medicate my feelings. So once again, using an external substance to soothe this internal problem. And then fast forward a bit, my husband and I um, opened South Africa's largest private continuum of psychiatric and addiction treatment facilities. So we had um, detox facilities with physicians and nurses and psychologists, and we would do group therapy and one-on-one counseling and spiritual facilitation and meditation, exercise, like everything. It was a very beautiful, comprehensive program. Um, A lot focusing on trauma, underlying trauma, and how that manifests in addiction. And it was during this time that I started seeing how our patients would come in thin, emaciated, you know what I mean? Heroin addicts, alcoholics, eating disorders, like just malnourished to the core. They would head straight for the vending machine, start stocking up on sugar. They would come back a year later to celebrate their one year sobriety and they would be huge. And I was like, they are switching one addiction for another and we need to address this. We need to address it. It was at that time that Professor Tim Noakes changed his mind about the low carb diet because he was pre-diabetic at this point and he went from being the king of carb loading to being like what i have said is completely wrong and i saw him on a tv show in south africa and he used the word sugar and addiction in the same sentence i was like fuck sorry that i'm sorry i was like oh my god this is it like this is the key we need to treat sugar refined carbohydrates processed food as an addiction not only as a process addiction a behavioral addiction but a chemical addiction as well because the way that it's changing and shifting our brain works on the same neurological pathways as other addictions definitely why are we doing this why are we giving our patients these foods anyway Long story short, Prof Noakes had been a professional athlete. And as I mentioned, my mother was a professional athlete. And also with my grandfather, there was just a connection. I'd never met the man. So I said to my mom, listen, I need to start a program with Professor Noakes. Like, I have to. Can you call him up and ask if he will have a meeting? At this point, Professor Noakes was working at the University of Cape Town. And if you know university structure, it's big. It's really hard to call in there and just make contact. Anyway, she looked in the phone book. She found a general number for the Sports Science Institute, which is big. She called it. Who answers? Prof Knox. Wow. Serendipity. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> anyway, so that was the start of Prof Knox and I um, partnering on this um, program called HELP, the Healthy Eating and Lifestyle Program. And that was yeah. the first, one of the first inpatient sugar and carb addiction programs in the world. We did inpatient, we did outpatient, we did online. And that's from there that I started the sugar-free revolution and also wrote the book, Sugar-Free, Eight Weeks to Freedom from Sugar and Carb Addiction. None of which I put went out to do, but I was approached by a publisher to write this book. And I was like, 
Wow. Huh, write a book? Sure, let's do it. <laughs> the, do you understand how crazy everything that you just said that I, I, I didn't interrupt you? I'm, I'm sorry to be here just kind of absorbing and, and being in awe of everything because do you have any idea how crazy is this? You know, it's, yes. it's kind of, you know, you, you go from being at the worst moment of your life to starting to do good for the world in general terms, which is you've created something with your husband at the time and you have a clinic and you, you are already doing something incredible, which is helping other human beings with their shortcomings and faults. And then that moment led you to not be satisfied and kind of question yourself, which is something magical that so many people do when they are on, on a good place. And you were in a good place from what, what I understand at that moment. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So basically at that moment, you still were having doubts of why is this happening? And you're questioning yourself. And then you have your haha moment when you see Professor Noakes on TV. And when was that? About what? 2012. 2012. So you had that haha moment. And as you said, he was the king of the carbo-loading. He was yeah. the, the guy that was prescribing carbo-loading cycle before competition and publishing about it. And then you kind of had the luck and at the same time, the quality to be matched in the perfect place and time and kind of talk to him to revolutionize the idea of what are we doing here? This is crazy. Why are we all eating sugar as if this is nothing? And so this is the beginning of, of what now is a big movement and everyone is now, should be at least. Um, Open to low carb. Yeah, educated about, at least. Yeah. Educated about what, what is the problem of having a really high um, uh, carb diet and, and processed food diet and uh, sugar consumption. I think that the majority of people choose to ignore because as you say, deep down, they're addicted to it. So they, yeah. they don't want to validate because it's not a dirty little secret. You know, it's not like um, alcohol that could be a bit out of control. Even alcohol in these days, you can really sleep by really good. And um, some other drugs, maybe not like heroin is difficult to hide. Even cocaine in society. At least I, I find I find that. I don't know if you agree oh, with me. It's super acceptable for some people. Oh, no, no. He's just doing cocaine. It's just to maintain the rhythm and he's okay. He's under control. And so people... In, in today's world of, of dopamine search, we are dopamine search freaks. Yes. And so we, we don't have any problem in, in, in kind of, oh, okay, it's just sugar. It's okay. It's just a small amount. And it's not. And it's, it's fantastic. I really recommend everyone to go and, and, and read about it. And who knows, try the eight weeks because yeah. I know I've done it. And uh, it makes a huge difference in your life. In yeah. terms of energy, in terms of brain fog, in terms of um, gut issues. So it will transform you. So go ahead and do it. And you were not satisfied. You didn't stop there, which is amazing. You continue to do different stuff. You continue to dig deep. And this led you to where? So the sugar-free revolution kind of put you in contact with some other people. And that kind of continued your train of doing awesome things. Well, before that, so what happened when Prof Noakes and I started working together, he got a ton of like flack from the medical community. He, um, you know, uh, some other healthcare professionals reported him. He was going to lose his license, his medical license. Like it was bad. It was really, really wow. bad. And I hate bullying. 
if there's one thing I cannot stand is people being bullied. And I felt that Professor Noakes was being bullied unfairly and I was not going to have it. So I decided to organize this large conference in South Africa where all the leaders in the low carb space would come together. And this was at the beginning of 2015. And for the first time ever, these guys were at an event to support Professor Knox in his beliefs. So we came with a science, we came with a research, we had it sponsored by a huge um, uh, insurance company in South Africa. And for the first time ever, people like Gary Tubbs, Jason Fong, Steve Finney, um, Zoe Harcomb, you know, I, like I, I'm not going to remember everyone's names right now yeah, because like, the Harvard Hive is like huge names together came together for this event that really. And I was having a conversation with Jason Fung the other day, and he was like, you know what? That's really what kickstarted my career. That event, and so. Wow. You know, it's not me, it's the event, um, but it was such a beautiful moment. And so from there, things shifted and changed. And my husband and I decided that we wanted to leave South Africa because of the crime. We have two little boys and my book was doing well. And I started getting asked to speak at events in the United States. And it was when I was speaking at an event at the United States that there was this dude in the audience. And um, I was doing my talk and afterwards, like I walked out to the back, you know, to, to get rid of my microphone and stuff. And this guy, this, this like shorter guy came up to me and he was like, Hey, I loved your talk. I was like, Oh, thank you so much. And, um, I was like, what's your name? And he was like, Greg Glassman. And I was like, Oh, nice to meet you, Greg. I'm Karen. <laughs> and I was like, so what do you do? <laughs> And weirdly enough, I was doing CrossFit in South Africa, but I was doing it in my kid's school. I had no idea that CrossFit had a founder. I thought CrossFit was another sport, like soccer or football or something else. And so, and my brother was super into CrossFit. He'd introduced me to it. So I was like, oh yeah, whatever. Like you don't look like you started CrossFit. So I go around the corner (laughs) and I text my brother. I'm like, hey, because also like through my grandfather, I met a lot of people who claim to have done a lot of things. And generally it's not true like the amount of people who said to me that they were part of the first heart transplant team or some way involved like it's crazy anyway so i go around the corner i text my brother i'm like hey this dude came up to me and he was like he started crossfit his name's greg glassman and my brother immediately takes back and he's like karen greg glassman is amazing and he started crossfit and he's like this visionary of a human and i was like okay cool so anyway, so Greg and I became really good friends. We were still living in South Africa, and then we were already going to move to the United States. And when we moved to the United States, Greg called me up, and he was like, hey, will you come um, start CrossFit Health with me? And so I moved over there when we moved here in 2016. So your life is just crazy, right? You, you, <laughs> you understand that, right? Because it's not enough that someone coming from a background like yours starts a huge movement about sugar. You don't even have an idea of the ripple effect of that conference. And and that's was no. one of the things that I had prepared here to talk to you about, which is oh, you launched. So it's, it's really funny that you went there because I was going there after, which is, do you have any idea of how big was a small conference in, in the middle of South Africa kind of impacted the world right now in terms of how they view things, even in a scientific way? You know, we are talking about world leaders, opinion makers uh, coming together and and discussing something that was really, as you said, contentious, you know, Uh, so many backlash about that. It it still is going on. So to this day, so it's 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 mind boggling, mind blowing that you you have done all of that. So 
you went to CrossFit Health. You started a beautiful movement. You've been there a few years, and I was lucky enough to meet you in, at, yeah. at the Games in 2017. And from that point on, you have continued to kind of surprise us all and, and, and keep going and pushing boundaries. So at this point in time, I would like you to tell me more about your project or idea that you just explained at the beginning of this conversation and why it matters and why would should people know everything about it um, and understand it. Which one is that? The the conference that I'm, the online conference that I'm organizing now? No, no, your 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 purpose, your purpose, what oh, you're finding okay. for yourself. Well, Philippe, I don't think you know this, but I lost my job three months ago. I had an idea. Uh, yeah. I know that Greg Glassman came out of CrossFit a few years ago, so I was kind of almost predicting that we we wouldn't go the direction that he was going because it's not fine. It's not easy to find people that are in that mode because Greg is a special person for good or bad. <laughs> if people love him or not, yeah, which yeah, is, yeah. he doesn't care what you think. He has <laughs> his own thing and he's going to do it. Yeah. And so that's hard to find. That's really yeah. hard to find. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I didn't know exactly the details, but yeah, I had an idea. Yeah. So, what happened there? Is, is oh. there anything to talk? I don't think so. Here's Do you want thing. to talk about it? I have never spoken about it. I don't think I've ever really even put it online. So this is definitely a first. I knew the company was restructuring, but all my, uh, you know, all my CrossFit Health projects had been approved. And so I felt like fine. You know, the company had restructured so many times and we've gone through so many up and downs. And I remember, you know, I work from home. So I remember I was in my laundry room, just putting some laundry in and I got the Slack message from the HR department saying we need to get on a Zoom call right now. And I was like, Whoa. Fuck. Yeah. And I knew that that was the day that they were doing the restructuring and the layoffs. And you don't get an immediate Zoom call request from the HR department unless something bad's happening. Yeah. So I got on this call and the lady was essentially like very scripted, obviously, because I can, you know, I can imagine that this is a difficult thing to do. And she said to me, Uh, you no longer have a job with immediate effect. Um, your computer is going to be wiped within 24 hours, but you can keep the, the laptop. Um, you know, bye. You're done. And I was wow. like, I was like, I was like, um, wait, I don't know. What? I don't understand. I, I was like, I went into complete shock, Philippe. I was yeah. devastated. It was one of the biggest shocks of my life. I was like, I've given my heart and my soul to this company for the last six, uh, for the last six years. Six I have years, yeah. not gone to my kids' um, school stuff. I've not gone to my kids' sporting things. I have neglected so much in my life for this job. And this job just threw me away. Like I was nothing. And I was devastated. I was beyond devastated because I care so deeply for CrossFit and I cared so deeply for the mission and for everybody that I met and that I worked with. And this was just devastating. I remember just being like, I just remember saying, I can't talk. I can't talk right now. I can't talk right now. I don't understand. I can't talk right now. And I was in shock. So I put down the phone, immediately called my ex-husband and um, it was, we got divorced, but we were really good friends. And I said to him, Steve, I lost my job. And he was like, you know what? It's going to be okay. I know this is hard but we've, fought, we've seen this coming. It's going to be okay. I'm going to come and get you. So he came to get me and I just remember, and he's got a store that he runs like this retail store. And I remember 
going to the store and just being like, I need to do something. So I was pricing stuff and like every five minutes I would just have a breakdown. I would sit and I would just like sink to the floor and I would sob. I would cry because I was devastated. I just couldn't understand. Like I was like, I've experienced sadness and suffering in my life, but this to me is just, it threatens everything. It threatens my safety, my security, my family, my, I'm the sole breadwinner. I'm the primary caregiver to my kids. Like, how am I going to survive? I don't know if I can. I don't know if I have this in me. Anyway, long story short, I reached out to a couple of people that day, like in between sobbing like crazy and just like trying to be like, what's next? What's next? And you know, yeah. one thing about me is I'm like, fuck it. I'm in like action mode. What am I going to do next? Like, how am I going to make this work? You know, I decided I never want to work for somebody again. I never in my life want to work for an organization, especially in the corporate space. Again, I want to contract. I want to do my own thing. What is my passion? I got on a call with Gabrielle Lyon, who's a good friend of mine, um, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. Wow. And I was... Really? Yeah. She was like, listen, this is what you do. Because I was devastated. I mean, I explained this to you. I was devastated. But she was like, you do this. You go write down your dream job and you send it to me. And I went and I sat down and I listed everything that I love doing. And it was the best exercise that I could ever have done because I was like, you know what? So much of what I was doing at CrossFit is not what I love doing. What I love doing is events in the health space focused on education, excitement, fun, experiencing. So what I want to do, I want to create a conference where we make health sexy and fun again where we bring together the best components of scientific education and research with like some type of like music type festival where we dance and we experience and we have fun. And so that's what I want to do. So I started the company called Revita Fest. And it's going to be a virtual event that happens in October. We have over okay. 30 to 50 speakers. It's over five days. Um, it's all virtual this year. So with workshops and stuff, we have Gary Taubes, Jason Fung, Sean Baker, Anthony Chafee, Gabrielle Lyon, Jamie Seaman. Um, I mean, like literally the what most people in the universe. Like I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And I get to have these conversations with them where we talk about health. Like, what is health? Like, what is it? Because at the same time as this was happening, everything always comes at once. My mom was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease um, about 10 years ago, right? And here's this woman who was so vibrant and so strong and a world champion athlete when she was younger. And suddenly she has this disease that's debilitating and parkinson's disease robbed my mom it took my mom away and it left a shell of a person there and the one thing my mom always said to me when i was growing up is about it was that life is about creating moments of magic right and so what do i want to do i want to be the creator of moments of magic for people so that they can fall in love with themselves and the experience of being alive. And how do I believe we do that? I believe we do that through education, excitement, fun. I believe we do that through dancing, connecting, community. And so that is what I want to do, you know, as a tribute to my grandfather and as a tribute to my mother, who even though, you know, who's, you know, her disease has progressed so crazily and 
you know, there's dementia involved right now as well. And um, I'm not there. They're in South Africa. And so what can I do from afar to pay tribute to this magnificent woman with this wild free spirit who loved to just watch me dance and thrive and grow? And so this is why I am organizing these events, which is my passion to bring together community, to create a big heart and to inspire the mind. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> Amazing. I, I didn't even know about that. So I know, I've never told anyone. <laughs> this is completely unexpected. And you know what? Uh, I've been actually two things to say. Um, the first is you have mentioned more than once in our conversation, what is health? That's actually my first topic of my po uh, blog. And it's actually without me knowing when I went to actually um, study a bit about Professor Peter Sterling, which is one of the person involved in the concept of allostasis. So okay. in 1988, allostasis, the concept was developed and published through Peter Sterling and Ayer. So two people kind of developed this concept. And Professor Peter Sterling, he will be one of our guests. And he is an incredible individual who was in the forefront of civil rights movements in America, very young age. And he was, he is a neuroscientist with a incredible uh, uh, work, body of work already. And you know what? Two years ago, he published a book that is called what? What is health? No way! So, that's insane! Yeah, it is. So that's the first thing, which is so cool. The second thing is I was um, I've been really uh, deep diving into uh, Dr. Gabriel Leon. I was actually thinking about uh, reaching out for this podcast and for the future for a visit to the United States. So it's Aww. incredible that you talked about her because not long yeah. ago, I think two days ago, I was discussing this with with uh, with someone. So that that's my blog. I'm gonna, actually going to be organizing an event for her next year, January. So you should come to that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Exciting. <laughs> I know, <So> right? <laughs> this is fantastic what you just told me. So you have not shifted because you're within the same space, which is health. And I just want to go and, and take a step back. And I don't know if this makes sense to you, but I've kind of almost will say to you that the, 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 the situation that happened or uh, the, the, the people that were involved in you getting out of CrossFit will eventually be the ones that save your life. Yeah. What I mean by that is that you were losing your purpose. You were losing your energy yeah. to a company. Yeah. And I know the great work you have done. I'm the first one to appreciate it. I know you have done tremendous things for CrossFit and CrossFit Health. And I was one of the contemplators for that. So thank you uh, oh. from us who were on the other side. And at this point, I think you were able and you are able now to correct some of the things that you kind of feel as a mistake and something yeah well, go ahead you know, the thing Philippe it's like I've always had this calling to do my own thing and then I got and then I got stuck in this secure comfort addiction right where I had the safety net and everything but the universe kept saying to me there's more come on step up stand up show yourself put yourself out there but it's harder. I have this tattoo on my ankle and it says, it is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. Okay. It's easy to stay stuck in a difficult job. It's in, in like a comfortable, difficult job. 
It's easy to sit on the couch and eat chips. It's easy to just stay stuck and not step up. What's harder is being great, is showing up, is putting in the work and the effort and the discipline, facing your fear and stepping into it and saying, show me. 100%. And you have to go when my, my, my website will be launched. You have to go and see our mission and vision. I'm going to share with you after. I can't email. wait. Because the description you gave, it's so, so aligned with it. And education, I really believe it's the only way we can thrive in this world. We need to share with people, educate them, and, and kind of help them make better choices. And you do that by a beautiful thing, which is... The description of this podcast has a part where it says that uh, people that have successfully navigated the twists and turns of life to fulfill their purpose. And I kind of, all the time that I think about our conversation, I think you are fulfilling your purpose in one way or the other. You are making mistakes as we all are doing, but (laughs) but you are evolving with those mistakes, you know, Um, and and, and that's the hardest part to do. And, And that's... That's really the beautiful part of, of, of being in life, which is you have an opportunity to do better the next day and, and to learn from things that you have kind of um, not do. Sometimes there are mistakes we cannot correct or um, I, I can relate at least to that. You know, people that I should have been more around to help or um, I should have um, be more present when, I, when I'm with them. But I'm, I'm starting to correct that when I am with people that I love, like for instance, my grandfather, he's 92. I'm all there. I don't care about the phone. I don't care about anything else. We are going for the ocean for a swim. I'm going to go fully with him. It's it's going to be this. It's not even about my experience. It's my experience through him. I, I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, so absolutely. I think that was the best thing that ever happened to you, which is kind of closing that door and moving on to a next space and a next adventure. And so congratulations to having the courage, even if someone put you the courage. <laughs> yeah, I was um, like, the universe was like, oh, we're just going to push you. But, you know, exactly. I just want to mention that I do really love CrossFit. CrossFit is still a huge part of my life. Um, I absolutely love, um, you know, the, the community. There's just nothing like the CrossFit community. And then there are people in CrossFit who I have so much love and respect for who have been my greatest advocates and supporters. And that's like Dave Castro and Nicole Carroll. And those two humans are beautiful, beautiful humans who are luckily back in charge or more prolific in, in what they're able to do. And so I have to acknowledge that. And I have to acknowledge them for the difficult roles that they have to play in getting this company back to having its heart and the soul that it had before. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm with you about CrossFit. I, I'm not even going to add anything else. I let's yeah. leave it at that. I yeah. <laughs> 100% with you. Um, let me let me now and just ask you if um, you recognize in a certain point of your life, a biggest failure, something that really was a pivotal moment. Do you have that? And if you do, what did you learn from that particular experience? You know, I've had so many failures. What I mean, like for each success that I have, there's at least like 
10,000 failures that led to that success. So it's hard for me to, um, to think of one. However, there's one that stands out right now because it is something that happened very recently. And I failed greatly as a mother. I failed greatly as a mother because I put my career before my kids. I, um, and, um, and it's impacted my kids in a big way. And so I'm sitting in a space that's incredibly uncomfortable for me right now because of COVID and because of being absent so much when my kids were growing up for traveling and work and stuff. My, my kids are, are facing hard times and I don't know, you know, this was a big calling for me and this all happened at the same time. I lose my job, my kids struggle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my mom gets put in a care facility for her Parkinson's and you know, like everything just comes at the same time. And so right now my biggest failure is 100% as a mother, being present as a mother. And I'm beating myself up about it a lot. So I don't know if I have a lesson right now. I think the lesson that I have is trying to treat myself with some compassion and grace and see how I can be better. How can I be more present? How can I juggle? You know, how can I better spend the time that I have with my kids as quality time? It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. It's how, what I bring to the relationship. And so I know that's probably not going where you wanted it to be, but right now I'm sitting in a lot of failure. No, 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 no. It's, it's perfect because let me just add to that. The, I understand hundred percent what you're saying and where you're coming from, maybe from a different perspective, sitting in the other side of it. Um, where your kids are sitting and what I can tell you that I I cannot guarantee anything like no one can in life right but it, it will eventually get to a point and a place that I can almost guarantee you that you will understand that what you think right now about failing will also be something that they will see as succeeding and what I mean by this is the immense body of work and inspiration that you have given back, not to them in that specific sense, will affect them and has affect them in a positive way, in a very much positive way. And you don't see right now what that means and you cannot understand the extension of how this will impact the, the people, the, the, the personality that they will develop or that they are developing right now but I almost guarantee you that they will be fantastic human beings because they have seen some of the struggles, some of the failures, and how you have led by example, how you've uh, fall down but get up again, how you have lived your life with integrity, with honor, with compassion, with love, and with that courage of admitting um, the hard things in life. And so what I can say from that is I think in when you turn this page, it won't seem as bad as you think. Yeah. It actually will be something beautiful. I think so too. I think so too. You know, being in a situation is hard. And you know, it's, it's always harder when it's somebody else that's suffering. Yeah. Somebody close to you, somebody you really yeah. love dearly. And so, um, but yes, I think you are 100% right. And I believe in that. And the only thing I have control over are my thoughts, my behaviors, my feelings. Exactly. So what can I do to change those in a positive way? Yeah, exactly. Love yourself. Show them that once again, you are out there and you are doing your thing. 
and inspiring people, you know, and, and striving for a change. So I think that, that it is very inspirational. I've seen it firsthand, people failing. Yeah. My father has failed immensely as a human being and as a father. He's no longer with us for a long time. I was just 17 when, when he passed away. But I can tell you that through his mistakes, I learned more than I would through love or through presence or anything else. And so I don't wish anyone to go through it in that specific way. But at the same time, I wouldn't go back and take it away. It, it actually made me who I am in a certain way. So the good thing about it is that you are there, you're alive, you're healthy, you're young. And so you have a lot of time to forge new bonds and, and, and kind of uh, have new relationships with them and kind of evolve with them in that sense. So that's what I have to say about it. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you very much. Those me words mean a ton. You're welcome. I, I mean it too. I can uh, see that. This being said, uh, you know that most people are influenced by the people that are around them, right? So yes. They say that you are the sum of the five people that you have more connection with or so three people, whatever. So do you have those three people that most influence you and who are they? You know, it's so funny that you're saying this. I don't know if you've seen, but I've been sharing a lot of this kind of stuff on social media recently about like you are who you surround yourself with, right? And so it's so important. And I think I went, I went a little bit wild, I have to tell you. I went a little bit off the rails <laughs> after I lost my job. And for me, that looked like I've never really gone out and gone clubbing or, you know, gone to bars or anything because I don't drink. And, um, but after I lost my job, I like had this like insanely cool weekend at Coachella that I just danced the whole weekend. And then I was like, oh my God, life's so fun. And, and like, just like started going out a ton at night, which is so unlike me. And I started surrounding myself with people that weren't necessarily interested in their highest and greatest good. And by association that that transferred to me and I was tired and miserable and grumpy my meditation went out the window like my my purpose and passion kind of blinded because I can't function when I'm tired I'm just I'm like a small child anyway and so recently I went on this phenomenal trip to Mexico with my ex-husband and my kids and we just got back into nature and we surfed and it was beautiful and wow. I connected again with my passion my purpose and everything and one of the biggest realizations was that I need to be ruthless at who I allow in my life. I need to be ruthless. And, um, and I need to surround myself with people who are smarter, wiser, richer, more successful than me if I want those things in my life, right? And so part of me organizing this festival, Revita Fest, um, is having conversations with the smartest people I know, you know, and people yeah. like yourself. And oh, so surrounding well, myself you. with those people, surrounding myself with people like yourself, with people who are about growing, about having a growth mindset, about resilience, about going after their dreams unapologetically, Yeah. right? With the core of it being about helping others. So I'll tell you right now in my life, the three biggest supports and the three biggest influences. Gabrielle Lyon, 
That woman literally saved my life and pulled me out of the darkest, one of the darkest spaces I've ever been. She is not only beautifully, beautiful, like physically, she is so smart, emotionally. But you know what the most beautiful thing about her? She truly, genuinely wants other people to be successful. And that to me is rare because she doesn't have that scarcity, scarcity mindset. She's not threatened by other women. She's not like she literally she's like, I want you to be so successful. When somebody believes in you so strongly, you don't have any choice but to believe in yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she's doing for me. That is what she's doing for me in such a big way. Um, The other person that is just like such a beacon of light in my life is Quadro, Dr. Quadro Kaya. Marion Tang. I'm so bad at pronouncing his last name. He's a Canadian physician, ICU, palliative care. Kwajo is a little like beacon of light and love. And he's one of the guys that also got on a phone with me and he was like, let's get on the call right now and brainstorm. This was a couple of days after I had told him that I'd lost my job. He's like, we're going to get on a call right now. This man's so busy. He runs a full ICU, palliative care. He's got three kids, young kids. And he's like, we're going to do this. Since that day, every single day, messages, I want, what can I do to support you? Like this man has so much in his life, yet he's taking the time to believe in me as well. I'm going to fucking believe in myself and I'm going to be successful, not just for myself and for helping other people, but because these people are spectacular. Yeah. And then I think the last one is my friend, Karen, and she is just a phenomenal, beautiful human. She's my best buddy. She's the one that I call when I'm angry, sad, lonely, happy. She's the one I want to share information with first, successes, failures, everything. Um, and like last night I had a shitty, yesterday I had a shit day. I got like two phone calls that were just awful. And um, it just left me, it wasn't like that bad, but it just left me feeling awful, right? And I was like, Karen, I'm feeling so angry. And so I told her the story and she's like, oh my God, I'm doing push-ups and pull-ups because I'm feeling so angry as well. I'm like, okay, let's go to Le Fay and let's have a pizza and a salad. And we went and we had this and we felt so much better afterwards. And that is that sense of community support, love that because I'm single, I don't have a partner right now, right? To, to kind of like help me navigate life, which is where I think partnership's important. But Karen, my best friend, is my partner in life right now. Not in a weird sense, but just emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. So those are the three people that are are having the most profound effect on my life. I could go on because there are more, but I think no, you only wanted three. No, perfect already. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah. Um, within the scope of people who are already inspiration for you, do you have someone that you would recognize as your initial inspiration? Oh, totally. I mean, okay, so my initial, initial inspiration is obviously my grandfather. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, so much so. of what drives me is, um, is based on his beliefs and the conversations we had and his unwavering belief in me. Like, that man really believed that I was capable of something great. And then I let them down. You know, and he died before. No, you didn't. I, no, no, no. He died before I started any of this work, so he didn't witness it. But he definitely recognized something in me that was that light, that driving force that then came back when I went into recovery. So him, after that, um, Professor Noakes. Professor Noakes was just my mentor, my friend. He allowed me to dream big. He believed in me. He took risks. I mean, I remember that conference that we put on. 
I was like, I have a dream and we're going to make it happen. And he's like, Karin, you're going to bankrupt us. I'm like, maybe, but no, we're going to be okay. And, and he was like, okay, if you believe it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay because we believe in the outcome. We have to believe in the outcome. And so him, and then my ex-husband, like my ex-husband was a fucking nightmare to be married to. I have to tell you, like an absolute nightmare. However, that man taught me to stop playing safe and to stop playing small. You know, he pushed me into situations that were so uncomfortable where I really had to confront myself on a personal level, on a professional level, on every level. And so he taught me so much about myself and it was very uncomfortable and it was very hard. But if I look back, those lessons that I learned from that marriage were so profound. Um, and then now, you know, I mentioned the people that are, have this, this great, my mentors, my friends, um, you know, the people that I just adore. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you for allowing me to. <laughs> um, if you could be remembered and you could choose for what, what would that be? Um, for creating these moments of magic that allow people to really, in that moment, just be like, fuck, life is so beautiful. So I understand that people leave a legacy behind in different ways. Um, I will just tell you right now that my, for instance, my grandfather, making here a connection to your grandfather, his biggest legacy is not even the things he, he did. And he did amazing things not to the level of your grandfather in a completely different level, but at a human level, he was, he is quite, quite astonishing. And so I believe that for instance, his legacy will be through me and the people that have witnessed his greatness as a human being, you know, the power of what he has to offer as a human being. Um, what legacy will you live uh, behind in this world? Uh, I mean, I think it's just very simple. I want to be able, unless people are real dicks, I want to be remembered for the person that if you came into contact with me, I left you better than what I found you. Done. Easy. <laughs> you know, very, and I do think good. some people are just awful and horrible. And so I don't necessarily, like even those, you know, I'm not, I'm not the perfect person. I don't love everyone. But, um, you know, I think overwhelmingly, like I just want to leave the world a little bit better than when I came into it. And you know what, what you just said, um, sometimes people don't understand that you want the best for them while you're doing things. And, and so many times, at least I speak for myself, I do it the wrong way. I'm just uh, a bit abrasive or, you know, some people recognizing as, as being a dick or, or just uh, hard on people or, I don't know, obnoxious. But so many times you're doing that from a place of love. I don't, yeah. I, it, it doesn't make it right. Sorry. I'm not giving a, a free pass to do that. What, no. You understand what I'm saying? I understand so 100%. You don't, leave, you, you don't need to love everyone just in the sense that you don't need to be in love or, or really have a connection to everyone just to say that you want them better. And I really genuinely feel the same things that you were saying. I, I also feel that I would love to leave everyone a bit better, even if it's just a piece of information and advice, uh, a good kind word, you know, uh, but it's, it's not easy. 
that's something that um, it's not easy to do. Um, let's start to close this. <laughs> if not, we're, we're going to be here all day. Forever, and yeah. I have no problem with that. But um, let's let's just ask you, what's one question that you wished I've asked uh, have had uh, asked, and how would you have answered that question? I wish you'd ask, hey, Karn, what's the website for the new project that you're doing and how can people buy tickets? Fantastic. Tell me about it. <laughs> ah, here's some shameless self-marketing. Um, basically, the, the, so it started off as being called the Revitalized Health Festival, right? And it's this like bringing together, this year it's going to be virtual, but hopefully next year onwards, it's going to be an annual in-person event. And the goal really is to create the largest in-person scientific and health conference meets music festival and exciting and fun so we dance and we play and we learn together as a community and wow. so um we shortened it to revita fest because it's a little bit sexier and so go to revita fest so r-e-v-i-f-e-s-t dot com oh r-e-v-i T-A-F-E-S-T.com. Oh, jeez, God. I Don't worry. We're going to put the link below. Don't worry. Okay, perfect. Put we'll, the link we'll put below because I'm like not even thinking straight right now. Okay, go to revitafest.com and um, buy tickets. We have over 30. We have 30 to 50 speakers. It's over five days. In fact, you should be one of the speakers at the conference. I will reach out to you after this. Um, okay. It'll be super cool to have you on. Um, buy tickets. It's it's going to be fantastic. I mean, the information that's being shared, the experts that we have, we're looking at what is health, how we went wrong, what we can do about it. It's not just food. It's also relationship, sexuality. I mean, we talk about orgasms. We talk about like low carb, ketogenic, fasting. Um, like what is health? Then we talk about financial health. We talk about self-care and mindset. And then we talk about orgasms and sex as well. Like it's super freaking cool. And then we have workshops um, by really wonderful people in the space. So we're going to have yoga and breath work. And we're going to have like self-belief and character. We're going to have meditations. Like it's just it's going to be a really wonderful event to be a part of. And I really hope that everybody joins us. And in order to create this community of like-minded individuals. Perfect. Let's support <laughs> you. So people, let's enroll in that. So thank you so much for that. Um, we'll definitely put a link below so people Perfect. know where, where to go. And um, to end this, I will ask you a quote a reflection, a poem, a book, a movie, whatever you mean, whatever you decide that has a special meaning to you and that has allowed you to thrive in an uh -huh. allostatic way. We have okay. discussed this a bit and that you would like to share with the audience. Do you have okay. anything like that? Absolutely. So when I was in treatment, when I was in rehab, um, I had this counselor and they were like, Karen, your name really could be fear because you just live in fear. You worry, you're so scared, you're everything. And um, that's why I have this tattoo. It is not, it is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us on my tattoo and on, on my ankle as a tattoo. And basically it comes from this poem by Marianne Williamson. And I'm going to read the full poem. Sorry, her. it's not just a quote, obviously. Obviously yeah. I have to come with a whole freaking poem. It's so um, Marianne Williamson says, it, 
our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Wow. <laughs> thank you thank you for this brilliant moment i think this is i could not have asked for a better way to finish our conversation this is not just inspirational this is aspirational and so i really thank you for accepting my invitation and with the idea of helostasis let's just ask people to consider this and um reach out to us if they have any problems anything that they would like to discuss or understand and say uh, our our slogan, our idea of what allostasis is, which is adapt, thrive, succeed. And and that that's exactly what you have done. And so please keep going. And thank you for being alive. Thank you for pushing boundaries. Thank you for being yourself, your genuine self, uh, non-apologetic and um, bringing the chaos, the good, the bad, and the ugly all up to it it's 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 a beautiful way to live and i think it's the only way to live so thank you for that thank you philippe and thank you for your beautiful light and in shining your light allowing people like myself to shine our light as well so you are a magical human and i just can't wait to see where you go with this thank you so much <laughs>